Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we listen to a small, small amount of an artist's music. This week we're talking about Bob Dylan. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. I'm back. You son of a gun. Gotcha. (laughs) He gotcha good. Jared. Donnie. Uh, This is Tyler. Ooh, Tyler was still last and Donnie got in. Nice. Nice. So Donnie is uh, our our guest here on Record Roundtable. He's our uncle and he likes Bob Dylan. He likes Bob Dylan very much. So he has many things to say about Bob Dylan. We are currently in Tennessee at his home. Yes. We went this weekend to a festival called Breakfast hosted by the uh, pop punk band Newfound Glory. It's a pretty fun show. I had a good time. It was my Christmas present. The day is currently June 2nd, I believe, and it was my yeah. Christmas present, so I had to wait six <laughs> long months for this gift. I love that you're spending so much of our quality Bob Dylan time on this. I'm just trying to give context. Today was the twenty, uh, the 2nd of June. Robert. God. <laughs> <laughs> no context. Nothing is... Okay. So, for context... For this week, we only listened to the early part of Bob Dylan's music. We did not span past 75. So, I, I mean, I don't think everybody listened to the the debut Bob Dylan record, but we listened from around 62 to around 75. Not everything was listened to, but we got a good, a good solid taste of old Bob Dylan. And how did we Actually, feel? young Bob Dylan. Young old, Bob old Dylan. Young. Yes. The old... It's the same person. Haven't you listened to The Voice? Uh, uh, that's... Did you listen to Nashville Skyline? That, that's a good, Thank you. Did you listen that's to Nashville Skyline? Of course. It's on the list. Did you... But did you not notice his voice was so drastically different on that album? Sure, it changes. But I've also listened to him today. Lots of things change if you listen to them over time. Um, voices, podcasts... You know, things have different sounds if you listen to them. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Also, if you notice, on Nashville Skyline, the cover... Oh, here we go. If you look in between his arm and his head, it looks like a play button. (laughs) I love that we're treating this episode with a a lot of dignity and respect and starting off so strong. Okay. I like that it looks like a play button. And what you mean by a play button is a triangle pointing to the right. Yes. Yes. That that was brought to you on Reddit by Mildly Interesting. Well, let's make yeah, this podcast mild. mildly interesting by talking about the music of Bob Dylan. So what did we think about the early Bob Dylan music we listened to? Anybody. It was pretty good. I, I figured you would like it, Dax. I was super into it. I was all about this week. I have an assumption, but I want to open up the floor to everybody. So... The early, the the very earliest albums are kind of a traditional folk sound, and mm-hmm. then once we get to about sixty five, with bringing it all back home, we'll get there. Uh, he develops more of like a rock sound to his his folk mm. music. What is traditional folk sound? I lots fe- of blues in the in the Free Will and Bob Dylan. There is quite a There's bit lots of blues of elements of everything. Yes, it's very similar to Pete Seeger. I think he's a little Tiny too boxes. close to his influences i've listened to just for context i listened to some of the other people that were putting out records at the time and Mm -hmm. it sounds like them yeah and they sound like the people they like and you know it took him a while 
to get to where we know him as it just like it's great that you like it you know but mm-hmm. i was like i confirmed but i already thought i would yeah, yeah. That makes sense, because I'm not as familiar with, I guess, the artists that were making music in the early 60s, and so in the folk realm of things. And so, because I know that I really liked the early Dylan music, so the albums like Free Will and Bob Dylan and Times They Are Changing, I like that sound quite a bit. I like that stripped down. It's just a man with his guitar and his harmonica, and that is that is what he does. And You know, Caleb, mm-hmm. if you really liked that, I, I think you should check out Jackson, Jackson C. C. Frank. Oh, that's a sad story. Oh, are you yeah. familiar with this? Oh my, yes. <laughs> you know what? If it if it's a case that this is where we do this, I will allow you briefly to I tell. I don't want to do it like this. I want to give it. I want to give it more time. Here's what we'll do. We'll agree to next year come to Tennessee again for breakfast part three and record an episode of Jackson C. Frank with Donnie. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, you know what? Let's just, how about this? Let's just scrap this episode and we'll start episode of Jackson C. Frank, no. which none of us have listened to. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm prepared. No, I know, of course you are. Anyways, so I'm more familiar with Dylan's sound on these like early albums, and I'm not familiar with his influences, and so I like that sound quite a bit, but I'm not familiar with the fact that it sounds so identical to what he's influenced by from that time. So... We like I was saying, he has like this more rock sound from Bring It All Back Home it, through Blonde on Blonde. That's like the the rock trilogy, right, Jared? Yes, correct. And then Nashville Skyline. I'm not as familiar with John Wesley Harding. Donnie, do you want to talk about that album at all? No, no. Okay, now, I'll talk a little bit about John Wesley. I did listen to some of that album. Yes. The 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 highlights of John Wesley Harding are. Obviously, all along the Watchtower, mm-hmm. one of his most popular songs, mm-hmm. and um, Jimi Hendrix's signature song, if you will, besides Purple Haze. Mm-hmm. Then oh, I also, come on now. I also like the song "The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest" from that album because he says, "This is not a house, this is a home." You did like that for some reason. You laughed while we were listening to that. I track. knew it was coming. I knew that line was coming. I like it a lot. It's very it's nice. What year was that? That was 67. 67. Everyone said in unison. And then Nashville Skyline has... That, that was possibly one of his oddest records just because of the fact that it has such a distinctly different sound from everything else that was going on at the time. And Donnie requested that we listen to this album. So I will speak to this just a minute. Yes. The, please. So you, I, I understand that like the country is very strange to like to you and that he's doing country in this album, but there's a little bit of context to this because sure. he moved to Tennessee mm-hmm. and he kind of wanted okay. to do this uh, simple country tune ditty thing. But what is also important is the fact that he brought a more conservative mindset to country music, whereas prior to that, it was all non-conservative so like chris christopherson basically said country was never the same after bob dylan did nashville skyline his country because Mm -hmm. it was just it was so one way and then bob dylan brought it more towards the middle and it was in the middle you know some i mean really it's not in the middle like overall the genre Mm -hmm. but it was moved to the middle more than it ever had been before that makes sense he also quit smoking is what i've I've heard from you. that's why his voice sounded different supposedly 
I, I still don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that I, either. I don't buy that, I don't buy that either. He just did. He had a, a different voice for he, that sound. He completely created it. I think it it was just an invention to separate himself from himself, if that makes any sense. Right. Because, I mean, he did it. It's a serious effort. You know, he got the best of the best of of Nashville, and and made. I mean, without him, put somebody else. Replace the vocals, and it's it's excellent still, mm-hmm. but but it's him, and it's not him at the same time. That makes sense. It well, Jared, I think you were talking about this in the car. You kind of feel like the the Bob Dylan that we are aware of and we know is kind of put on in its own right as well. It's not just that him put he's putting it on a Nashville skyline. He's putting it on a persona. Yeah, he's pers- just in general. He. At what, I read um, he did it. He's done a couple autobiographies that he's written himself, and I I don't know the exact context of what like of everything because it's been a long time since I've read that book and I didn't do any additional research. So, but at one point, like he had this motorcycle accident, mm-hmm. and it kind of changed who like he had to recover from it, and that's around the time that he recorded, uh, what album was that? New Morning. Uh, before that, I don't know when it was, but. Um, basically he said that when, after that motorcycle wreck, Robert Zimmerman died and Bob Dylan was the person that survived and he's never been able to be who he was born again because he had, like, he basically had to kill who he was to become like who he is now as Bob Dylan, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, like he had to just, who he was born as is no longer, Mm -hmm. it's very strange to become this character for so long. A very long time. I like that. Because, I mean, how do you... It explains a lot. I've never heard that quote, but it does. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. All Let's right. go ahead Wrap and it up. <laughs> Never mind all that other stuff. Never mind that other stuff. Oh, so before we move on from Nashville Skyline, does anybody have anything to say more about that album? Just I like, cause I it like is the, a very distinct album. I like the inclusion of Johnny Cash a lot. Yes, that's fair. Which, again, like kind of helps solidify... This is a country album. Was the fact that he was able to have an established well, country. He also was on, on the, the Johnny jo- the Johnny Cash show and mm-hmm. performed that song, I, I believe, for the first time in front of an audience. Oh, really? On that show, so he kind of like who else to welcome you in with open arms to the country music than Johnny Cash? Right. That's fair. Would you like to do your anecdote about Lay uh, Lay Lady Lay, Mister Donnie? Um, no. about about the brass bed. Oh, oh, I was doing, yeah, I was doing my impression of, of, uh, the, the regular Bob Dylan voice singing Lay Lady Lay. Lay across my bed. And it's like, that's scary. She wouldn't come. No, I'm, I'm afraid of you, Bob. It only works the way it works. But, you know, he wrote those songs, um... Tonight I'm staying with you. No, you're no not, sta- you're no, not you're staying not. with me. Do not stay no. with me, sir. No, so it, it it works. Do you have anything you'd like to say do about have, National Skyline? Do you have a, what's the hmm. release date of a, a National Skyline? Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Okay, because I was looking up when the Birds went on the Grand Ole Opry, mm-hmm. and it didn't go well for them. Mm. So that was sixty eight. Oh. So they tried, you know, to to break into the country market, and it did not go so well. It did not go so well, and they made their, you know, pretty good covering several Dylan songs. Mm-hmm. And then Dylan's like, well, let, I mean, not, it wasn't because they did it, but he right. did it on his own, and it went over just fine. So huh. same thing. Let's play some country music. So he was actually received pretty well in the country community. Like, I mean, I, I, he changed country music 
vastly, so clearly he was welcome in some way, but it's interesting that he would be welcome, but others would not be, so... It's, it's almost because like, I, in my mind, I had it the other way around. That yeah. they heard, you know, they heard Nashville Skyline, and then they were like, "Let's put, you know make country and yeah." It did, but it was that he Dylan at the same heard. time they weren't influencing each other necessarily. Mm-hmm. The same idea was happening at the same time. Yeah. So I have a question. Moving on from Nashville Skyline, and I, this probably is going to be specific to Donnie and Jared, just because I don't know that Dax or Tyler have listened to this album. What's going on with Self-Portrait? Why is it disliked so much? I have not listened to this album. I'm not as aware of this album, but I know that it's very much disliked. He did not want to make it. He did not want to make it. I believe it was the last album he was contractually obligated to record, and he uh, did his worst. He did not want to do the album. Let me see. So he was on Columbia. He was still on Columbia for New Morning. Well, let me see. How long was he on Columbia for? Was he on Columbia, like... From the very beginning, it looks like he was... Yeah, so he started on Columbia. He, he was on Columbia for a long time. Yeah, well, but Self-Portrait also has lots of covers on it. Yeah, mm. and, I guess he... Um, found, they found his, what he was producing on the album to be kind of sporadic and, and unknown, mm-hmm. and people just didn't like it. They didn't have very much original stuff on it. And hmm. I guess it was one of those things where, like, he was on uh, quite the roll in terms of his musical quality from 63 up to 69. None of his albums were really disliked at all, all the way through that point in time. So, And then, I guess, Self-Portrait is kind of where the shift started to happen, from what I can see, in terms of his, like, his reception, where people didn't love his music as much from 70 on. And so what you see is that he was a very influential, important artist in the 60s. He had very good albums going forward, but it really was not secluded to the 60s, but that was where things, I guess, started to change course for him. The opening sentence in the Rolling Stone review of Self-Portrait states, what is this shit? (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Rolling Stone. Yes. What do they mean? Tell us. Don't. I don't know. I think you can. I I don't know. And I I mean, Donnie may have more input in this, but I've heard multiple, like so many times from my dad, that when Dylan went electric in '65, Mm -hmm. people freaked out and wanted to like kill him. Mm -hmm. Truth. Yeah. That. I mean, that's why he kind of eased into it with. If we go back a little bit, um, the. uh, Which one is it? The, um, Another side back, of Bob bring, Dylan? Bringing it all back home is, oh, okay. is half, one side is one and one side is the other mm-hmm. to right. kind of ease into it. And he didn't ease into it. They hated it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought, I found this funny. Um, you know, they hated it. And um, if you look at Peter, Paul, and Mary were his contemporary that he kind of left them in the dust. But 67, they come, they they write or sing the song i dig rock and roll music you know oh mm. let's join the rock and roll party and it's accepted as a hit but a few years later you know previous it was like you know they're throwing rocks at him or whatever you know so it becomes okay when when bob says it's okay mm-hmm. when they're folk singers they're all folk singers it's like i mean once folk rock wasn't even a thing right you know so create a new genre and then it just becomes rock not folk rock so i mean how does that how does you do that you just he did i like to talk about the song rainy day woman number 12 and 35 oh damn you oh everybody wanted to talk about this 
That was my pick for favorite song. No, I didn't. Oh, well, okay. okay. Well, this will lead into it. I'd like Perfect. to talk about it, then you can play it. So the hook of it is everybody must get stoned, and people are trying to figure out, you know, if, I mean, obviously the assumption is he's talking about weed, mm-hmm. but he also is making, like, reference to biblical getting stoned. Mm-hmm. They'll stone you if you do this. They'll stone a physical you if, stoning. Yes. As um, a punishment for crime. Thank you. Yes. And uh, so they asked him in the studio, hey, Bob, what's this called? And he replied, a long-haired mule and a porcupine here. And he just laughed and laughed after he said that, I guess, in the studio. They said they've (laughs) never heard him laugh so much. Huh. And then a while later, they asked him, hey, what is this song about? He replied, cripples and orientals in the world in which they live. It's a sort of Mexican thing. Very protest. And one of the protestiest of all things I've protested against in my protest years. What does that mean? He has hung out. He hung out <laughs> with John Lennon too means. much. I, maybe I, he may have spent a little bit too much time with Lennon. You might when be you, correct. When you can so when you can so uh, artfully create for yourself a persona in which you can spew off various things and people take them for you know some type of something. That's when you know you've done it. <laughs> That's a good point. So, Dax, did you say this is your this is your favorite track from I Bob think Dylan? It might be. Oh my goodness, we had our first transition straight in. Let's listen to a little bit of "Rainy Day Woman" number twelve and thirty-five. What is going on with Dylan laughing on his tracks? Yeah, there's a couple like that in there. At yeah, least there's, three. There's yeah, a, at least there's three a good handful laughs. in there where, where Dylan's mm-hmm. having a good time during the recording. He's a happy dude. He's a I happy like dude. it because it's the only time you can hear his, his real voice, kind of. What's the one He, where he laughs stop? in Bob Dylan's 115th That's Dream. Yes, play that one. Just play the beginning of it. Which one? Bob Dylan's 115th Dream. It's on Bring It All Back Home, track seven. I was riding on the Mayflower when I thought I spied some lead. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> like, I just don't understand what's so funny. Wait a minute, now. <laughs> Someone done oh, something in the studio. They had to have. It can't be the lyric because he, he makes drugs. it all the way through. I know. You know, it's a funny lyric, but it's it must be studio something but yeah a thing hold on uh, i want to say a thing about yeah, do your thing uh rainy day woman number 12 and 35 we talked about that yeah so there's an allegation that 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 bob wanted the people that were in the background that were doing the background vocals and, and hooting and hollering and such mm-hmm. he wanted them to get drunk and so like they he sent them down to this bar oh my gosh why do i keep doing this <clears throat> it's okay he sent them down to this bar and uh supposedly he got them real drunk but that has been uh disputed because they recorded three other songs during that same session that mm-hmm. made it onto the album. So there was no way that, mm-hmm. you know, Bob got so drunk that he did that and then later recorded all the songs that, it, you know, like mm-hmm. normally. But it's a good story. It is a good story. But, I mean, he's kind of like, uh, Bob Dylan's basically the big fish of music. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's a very good point. You feel good about that? I did. I, I did a little thing. I would say uh, historically, a few times we've done who would play Bob Dylan in a movie. But, oh yeah. But uh, if you've watched the film, uh, I'm not there. About five people played Bob Dylan in a movie. Oh really? Yes. You never seen that movie? Anybody ever seen that one? No. Never did. No. Give me a moment. I'll I'll bring up everybody that played Dylan. Okay. In the meantime, I'll ask the big question that, and then we'll we'll go from there. Um, out of the early stuff, specific to early stuff, what is everyone's favorite album from Bob Dylan that we covered? That we covered. So uh, just er, anything before seventy five. I, or 75 and before, I guess would be the better way to put that. I'm I'm having a tough time between Bring It All Back Home and New Morning. Interesting. Okay. They're both ones that I listen to more than any of the other ones historically. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, everybody likes Blonde on Blonde, and everybody yep. likes Highway 61, and everybody yep. likes Times They're Changing. Yep. But they're not my favorites. I don't know. I don't know. I think probably album-wise, I would pick Bring It All Back Home. Okay. For music, bringing it all back home. But some of the rhymes on Blonde on Blonde, I think there's no way he's going to get there. He's not going to get there. He's not, and then he rhymes some crazy thing with some other crazy thing. And uh-huh. it's like, how did he, you know, those words didn't come to anybody but him. Do you have an example of one of those lyrics? Um, the I do. It's I the, thought you um, would. The second verse, or second or third verse, uh, where is it? No, it's actually, that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Highway 61. Oh, are you thinking of Highway 61? Uh, yeah, not Blonde on Blonde. Okay. It's the the rhyme on Highway 61 where it's the, he's talking about the, the, the verse about he's got these phones that he's got to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think, and he rhymes sun with Highway 61, but the sun is like an add-on at the end of the verse. And it's like, we're getting me some, and it's like, you, oh, he did it. He did it. He <laughs> rhymed it. He rhymed sun with Highway 61. Oh, and it's boy. like, there's no way you can find a way to fit it. And he does. It's just, um, you know, he had a way with words at that time. And, I mean, it stuck with him over the years, but it was a crazy, you know, the surreal words that he picked out at that time. He went from such simple folk tunes that were influenced by old folk tunes before him to just surreal just where is this coming from and then transitioned into being a traditional rock and roll songwriter you know because you can see early on his his writing and his lyricism was really the key to his music and i think that that's overall his his musicianship was really really built out of the songwriting and the storytelling that he was able to do he was able to do that with his early albums, and then that was such a central key to all of his other albums. And so it makes sense that, like, musically, if Bring It All Back Home would be very interesting to you, that Highway 61 Revisited might stand out as well just from a lyrical standpoint because they're two very different things, especially with his music. So Dax and Tyler, what are your what are your stances in terms of favorite albums? Oh, boy. Mine's probably Free Will and Bob Dylan. I figured that yours was going to be one of either the times they are changing or the free wheel and Bob Dylan. I wasn't sure which one. I was trying real hard to pick one of those two, and I just went with one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you like that traditional folk sound anyways, so it makes sense that if Dylan is doing that traditional folk sound, that that's what would work for you. Oh, yeah. That is right up my alley. Tyler, your favorite? Yeah. 
I really liked Highway 61, but I also, I really like Nashville Skyline. I think Nashville Skyline I probably like more. Really? Mm-hmm. You like you really liked the the country elements of that album. I just like the groove of it. There's a lot of I well when I listen to it, I can hear a lot of things in there that aren't country as just as much as I can hear things that are country. Sure. And I can pick out both things. I mean, I like the sound of. I've always liked some guitar and harmonica. Well, that is, that is Bob Dylan right there. Right, I like it when he does it. I've always liked it when Neil Young does it. Mm-hmm. But I do like I do like traditional folk and i like traditional folk as it transitioned into the late 70s such as leonard cohen for instance Mm -hmm. and getting you know kind of weird in different places but i don't know nashville skyline just really felt good i think for me i had a difficult time choosing which i guess are two of the typical albums are the times they are a change in and highway 61 revisited i liked both of them for different reasons i liked the times they are changing because i think it's a really good like traditional folk album again as we've talked about and I like Highway 60, Highway 61 Revisited. I didn't love Bring It All Back Home because I still feel like... So he was t- making this transition into rock music. And I think that just from a natural standpoint, it would be difficult to immediately be able to make a traditional folk rock album right out of the gate and make it something that's like perfect. And I think that his transition into doing that same sound on Highway 61 Revisited, it... it more developed at that point in time. He's had more time to make that sound work on this this follow-up album. I mean, it wasn't a lot of time difference. Bring It All Back Home came out in March, and then Highway 61 Revisited came out in August. So there's only so much time that really could have changed the sound of those albums, but I still think I, I got a difference off of the two, I guess. Well, it's definitely... I think Highway 61 is more refined. I don't think you can say... You know, like you're jumping into a full band, I think the mix is better on Highway 61, and I think everything sounds a lot cleaner in terms of how it, the interplay between instruments. I would agree with that. I uh, like how completely natural it is to have rock, folk, country. He swirled it all together mm-hmm. in, the, in the very beginning. It's like it wasn't just let's plug in this guitar and make music. It was all those same influences from before. That's why it worked, because... You know, you were saying the first albums were, you, you know, you like them, and they're folky, and they're bluesy, but he took folky and bluesy and added a couple more things, and it still worked. Yeah, very true. It's interesting to see, you know, there's always, and that's why, for instance, that's why on, like, Nashville Skyline, right, there's all kinds of stuff on there that's not country, just like there's things that is country, and it's interesting to see what you can pull, like, you you, know, you can find the similarities between all of these different genres that people think are so different. And when you put them together and make them their own thing, it can be really cool. And also people sometimes don't know what to think. And when you start to shift that sound, such as when he moves into this folk rock type situation, where really he's not, he's just addressing the changing of his own style, right? I mean, he's not, he's still utilizing all of these different types of things from these different places in music, but he's just giving them a twist. And people just, you know, people, especially fans, didn't know what to think. They thought he was one man, but he's not. He's a different man. But in reality, he's just Bob Dylan. I like how he he also gave the musicians a chance to, you know, he's not just, it's, I mean, sometimes it's his backing band, his regular backing band or an assembled band. But I found um, a story about when they recorded Lay, Lay, Lay. He asked Bob, the drummer asked Bob, he was struggling to find a part he says, Bob, what should I do here? And he says, bongos, 
which makes no sense, but <laughs> Bob Dylan says bongos. It's like, what do I do with that? And so then he goes into the control room and asks the producer, what should I do with this drum track? And he says, cowbell. So it's like cowbell and bongos. That's the drum part. And it's like, why would that work? And it does. It's insane. But he let him, he just said, hey, let it, let drummer, drummer, you, you pick. And he picked right. You know, he gave them space and they, you know, they they came through. Speaking of being helped along, yeah. will, you, will you play that video or just link to of him doing We Are the World? Oh, you know what? Let's let's play a little bit of that. Off the whole time. I love that so much. It's so long. It goes on far too long. Play Am I a little ever going to go back to yeah. talking about who is Bob Dylan in that movie? Um, I, maybe not. But you, how about right now? Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, Heath Ledger, Ben Wishaw all played a different variation of Bob Dylan in the film I'm Not There. Okay, here's Bob Dylan rehearsing for We Are the World. Can you play it one time? Stevie Wonder, of course. Even he can see you struggling. <laughs> let's, let's scoot in a little bit here. This is a 9 minute, 17 second video. It's, it's a long one. I don't know if there's ever a point he actually starts singing. time we do an octave like that's beautiful all right i think that, i think that's good for now it's great it's just awkwardness true truly truly awkwardness so i'd like to talk about a song from not well i'll i'll tell you about this song and then i'll tell you my favorite song from okay. the, from the album sure new morning yes Ooh, I'm... so i want to talk about day of the locust yes the song is about him receiving a degree at uh, where was princeton he he received an honorary degree at, at Princeton, mm-hmm. and he did he did not want to go. He thought it was all tedious and dumb. And David Crosby from Crosby, Stills and Nash mm-hmm. accompanied Bob Dylan. And uh, if you look at the lyrics in the song, he's ta- he says, "Outside of the gates, the trucks were unloading. The weather was hot, a nearly ninety degrees. The man standing next to me, his head was exploding. While I was praying, the pieces wouldn't fall on me." He's talking about prior to getting to Princeton, David Crosby and Bob Dylan smoked a bunch of joints mm-hmm. to try and you know get him ready for, for this um, thing, for this honorary thing, and uh, so his head was exploding because he had so much weed. Like his head was like I mean it wasn't actually going to explode, but he was right. so high. That's what David Crosby's. He, that's what his story is. Um, but anyways, in the song, he's talking about. The day of the locust going to Princeton because at, there they had had like a, an outbreak of cicadas during that time. So like the 
It's very interesting. But he really did not want to go to this at all. He he was very hesitant to go. They like showed up in a limousine to pick him up, and he's like, "No, no, I don't want this. This oh, is thank terrible." You. And uh, so when they got there, they're like, "You have to wear um, a uh, a robe and a uh, whatever. What's the hat called? Is there like mortarboard? A... I don't know why I know that. Okay, <laughs> you have to wear one of those. <laughs> That's what you're here for is to know that information. A motorboat. It is a mo- motorboat. The motorboat. Yeah, um, that's what I said the first time. <laughs> but he's once they told him, once they, once they told him that he had to wear that, he was even more hesitant. You know, every time, every step of the way, um, he he didn't want to do it. But it would finally, be very awkward wearing a motorboat. <laughs> There's a choice we're making. <laughs> Sorry, let's have this go on for nine minutes. <laughs> Did you say that your favorite track is off of New Morning, Jared? I did. I sent it to you. Can you can you get it, or you want me to? Just... Why don't you just tell me? Because oh. it's a different. Oh, is it the the weird? Okay, so yeah, yeah. To, uh, what's it? Oh, hold on. Fine. I'll find. Right, it. I'll yeah. find. I'll tell a little thing. Yeah, find it. I have a playlist on my Spotify called Bob and Bruce, and it's my favorite Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan songs because for some reason I associate them with each other. I mean, they are oh, friends. There's a. Bob Dylan is known for his bootleg series. So there were bootleg albums that came out prior to the bootleg, bootleg series of outtakes and demos and unfinished songs and all kinds of things. And um, at some point, Bob Dylan decided to capitalize on this financially. And he started releasing his own bootleg series um, back in, I don't even, it was pretty, pretty long, early, long pretty early. And uh, so... At this point, he's actually on uh, the Blood on the Tracks bootlegs. He's going um, like through his timeline of albums, basically. The most recent one was, or the one that I'm pulling from, is called Another Self-Portrait. And so it's basically he's trying to make self the, the album Self-Portrait not as bad as what people you know think it is. But he also had songs from New Morning. And one of the songs is the version, it's called uh, If Dogs Run Free. And this is the alternate version wait do you want if dogs run free alternate version because you said no new i morning. sent you new morning yeah do you want new morning Uh-oh. yeah i want new morning with new or with horn section overdubs new morning Just to see a smile Underneath the sky blue On this I like that version a lot Donnie's shaking his head But I, I, it's not his favorite song So shut up <laughs> It was gonna be part of my favorite song And now... I mine is a four four separate songs from New Morning, and one of them was New Morning. I think New Morning, Man and Me, If Not for You, and Sign on the Window have elements of the same story running through them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, 
if not for you, these simple sounding rhymes, if not for you, the sky is, you know, I couldn't find the floor, can't see the door, you know, simple sounding rhymes, but it's for you, you know, it's like, oh, for me, that's great. Or um, the end of Sign on the Window, where he says, maybe this is what life's all about, Um, you know, catching fish and having kids call you Paul, and it's like, that's a long way to go from, like, the protest music, and yeah. the, the surreal lyrics, and all that stuff that, that we, you know, we love, but it's like, maybe this is what life's all about, and you're like, hmm, maybe Bob's figured out everything, <laughs> he's figured out life, you know, but he has in that to me, and the man in me is like, I want to do all these things, you know, the man in me is because of the things that you do to me, so it's like, it's it's all the same story. Hmm. So I pick four songs. You pick four songs. In your face. One of them's yours. <laughs> Thank you. Way to get them. I, I almost picked The Man in Me, so I wouldn't mind you playing that one. Play a little bit of Man in Me? Yeah. Actually, um, if you want to find a good cover of The Man in Me, Say Anything did a version. Did they? Of The Man in Me. Yeah. If I you want to play a that. taste of that and then play the real version, oh, you come can on do now. that. You don't want to play the original? Send it out to the dude. Send, we're going to send it out to the oh, dude. Yeah. We're going to play the original. Jeff Bridges, this is for you. I, I, I kind of forgot that that was from Big Lebowski. Yeah, I I when I we were listening. It was I know I didn't know it me. until the song started, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, that reference actually makes sense." <laughs> like once he said sending it to send it to the dude, I thought he was talking about Bob Dylan. Oh, so no, I wouldn't mind you cutting that part. Me sound like an idiot again, but <laughs> the dude abides. I the dude abides. Dylan. Dylan was a dude. Was the dude before the dude was the dude. So, wow, I like the movie, uh, but as you all would, if you can put it together quickly, have a part of me struggles with parts of Big Lebowski because you know my name is Donnie. Shut the fuck up! Oh, Donnie. that's true. <laughs> I've heard that. I've been wanting to say that times. to you for a long yeah. time, and yeah, today's I, I the have, day. I've heard You're that. Out of your <laughs> element. I don't mind being out of my element. It's the other thing. <laughs> that's entirely fair. <laughs> Oh, that's entirely fair. Uh, I think we should talk about Blood on the Tracks. Mm-hmm. We have not discussed that album at all. Sure. I would like to start out talking about the song Idiot Wind. Oh, you mean the latest song? I wrote a song. Or No, I didn't write a song. I'm sorry. I wrote down a note in my notes. I put Idiot Wind, and then I just put Mean. Mean. Here is a sample of the lyrics from the song Idiot Wind. Here's it's the chorus. Idiot Wind blowing every time you move your mouth. Blowing down the back roads, heading south. Idiot wind, blowing every time you move your teeth. You're an idiot, babe. It's a wonder that you still know how to breathe. Not nice. Cold. 
Very mean. He's actually talking, uh, allegedly, although he never admitted to this, he's talking about his ex-wife, his son, Jacob Dillon's, who's in The Wallflowers, everybody. Mm. Um, he said when he listened to that album, Blood on the Tracks, it sounds like his parents talking. Not a good upbringing, apparently. I guess not. Although he would have only been, he would have been uh, six, I believe. So, I mean, that's enough to shape a form of, of childhood. So, I don't know. Not good. Not good. It's like he had a practice run at it with positively 4th Street was his rough draft. At, you got a lot of nerve. You got a lot of nerve to say that you're my friend. When I was dis- when I was down, you just stood there grinning. It's like, okay, that's a, that's that's kind of bad. But you're an idiot. <laughs> you're, an, you're an idiot. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of Blood on the Tracks. But I'm I'm wondering if it's because I didn't like that album, or if it's because of the other note I wrote, which is Dylan, Dylan strain, Dylan fatigue, if Dylan fatigue. That's, that's what, what I we, said. That's what we decided. Yeah, I said that. We we listened to the last few albums on the way to Tennessee, and I'm wondering if because well, I don't know because I'm not a huge fan of early Dylan. I'm I like I'm I'm more of a fan of the timeline of Dylan. Mm-hmm. the the history of Dylan. If you look at his discography, I'll do a brief... Let me give you a brief discography rundown. Oh, boy. And it'll be very fast, but give me one moment. Are we talking all the way... Yeah, but I'll do real fast. All 36? Yes. Okay. So you start out with Bob Dylan, his debut. Then you got the two protest albums. Then you got the three rock albums. Then you got... John Wesley Harding, the in-between between country and rock. Then you got Nashville Skyline and New Morning. You got Cell Portrait peppered in there. You got the soundtrack to Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. You got um, Blood on the Tracks. You got his late 70s work, which is highly regarded. Then you get his 79 through 81 gospel records, which are, you know, people can say whatever they want about it. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I'm a fan of it. But it's very, it's very. Actually, Shot, Shot of Love is Love is a very good album. I thought we were reduxing all his old stuff later, though. We are, but I'll get, we're we're gonna do a redux of Bob later. Okay. So then you get Infidels. Oh, wait, wait, to ruin it, dude. Sorry. That's what I'm saying. Infidels, you, you, which you, is his return to politics. Empire Burlesque, which is his '80s album. You get the weirdness of Knocked Out, Loaded, and Down in the Groove. Not very good albums. You get Oh Mercy, which is a good album. You get his live album, Dylan in the Dead. With the Grateful Dead, Under the Red Sky, where he writes children's songs, Good as I've Been to You and World Gone Wrong, which is his return to traditional music. He, he did a version of the song Froggy Win a Courtin', well known from the Tom and Jerry cartoon. Uncle Pecos. <laughs> then you get his return to. Um, Rambo. Crambone. Crambone. MTV Unplugged is where he returns to accolades because Time Out of Mind and Love and Theft are two of his most beloved albums of recent times. Then you get Modern Times and Together Through Life. He is still ascending. He's still in popularity. Then you get his Christmas album. Not good. Oops. His final studio album of original material is Tempest, which is a very good album. It came out in 2012. Look up the Rolling Stone article or interview that they did with him. Then you get his, what, how, how would you describe what he's done recently? Like covering traditional pop songs, like old pop songs? 
Is that yeah. basically it? So you get Shadows in the Night, Fallen Angels, Triplicate. History, that is the history of Bob Dylan. History of Bob Dylan in about three and a half minutes. Is that how long that took? Something about like that. Oh uh, well, if it needs to be cut, it can be cut. Tyler, what's your favorite track then? My favorite track is "Like a Rolling Stone." Like a Rolling Stone. What makes that your favorite song? I love the instrumentation of it. Listen to the beginning is really fun, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you get the little melodic parts and... I like the chorus. I like the the sound of the chorus. He's kind of pushing his voice a little bit. It seems like there, but he's coming into it. I agree. I, I tried to do that song that whole thing. a few years ago. I bought a karaoke machine and I would sing in the living room, and I did like a Rolling Stone in my living room. And I did not know how hard that song was or how long that song was. Mm, so I yeah, stood in my living long. room singing for six and a half minutes, and my mother was not pleased. No, I also think where where it stands is the the opener for that album and its place in the discography is really interesting mm-hmm. so i think you know, i we, think i'm the last person who has not played their favorite track so i say that we get mine out of the way and then i have one last thing i want to hear from jared and then we can have some other thoughts from there how does that sound yes okay <laughs> okay uh mine is another uh not i don't want to say typical song from dylan but like one of his very popular songs because i don't know that you can beat the times they are changing mm. it's a very important protest song it's mm. a very important song very strong lyricism in this song it's a good song we'll play some of it come gather around people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are changing So you're Jared. Your one word for blood on the tracks is mean. That was no, just the song just idiot. The song. What idiot. Was the, what was the? Uh, did you have a? You couldn't wrap it up in one word for blood, blood. on the tracks. Um. Well, I wasn't it uh, fatigue. Fat- oh, Dylan. Yeah, fatigue. Dylan fatigue. Okay. It's just so difficult. I mean, it's, it's not very personal. Fun. No, it's not not fun because looking at these titles, I mean, I, I like some of them. But some of them are just hard because it's like, if you were the like, like you're saying about the the argument, it's just like uh, raw. So yeah. it wouldn't be anybody's like, hey, put on a Dylan record. Oh, yeah. How about Blood on the Tracks? That yeah. this'll liven up the old party. Nah. Ooh, no. Yeah, that's what makes it so good. It's challenging. What would, that's why what it's would, worth, and that's why it's worth liking. If you maybe, but. With your headphones at home by yourself, <laughs> I don't know. Not like what yeah. record? It's not a party record. What yeah. record? What is? Know. What is the definitive? Uh, people ask me, "Hey, you want to watch a movie?" Everyone wants to watch a movie, and I say, "Yeah, let's watch Clockwork Orange," and they think I'm weird. So. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, that, I think fair the enough. blood on the tracks is the Clockwork Orange of Bob Dylan's. What is the definitive? 
Bob like Dylan party record. The definitive Bob Dylan party record? Yeah. What do you got, Tyler? What was the one with all the kid songs on it? Oh, that's a good one. That's under, the one. Under, under the Red Sky. That's the, the one. Sky. Under the Red Sky is the one. I don't know. Maybe it's Blonde on Blonde. Maybe maybe Empire Burlesque. That's a pretty upbeat record. Yeah, good point. I was gonna. So this is where I was going to take this. Um, and I want your input. I want everybody's input. But I want to make sure that you have a chance to speak because you've had so few chances to speak. Jared made a large statement, and I he said I don't, I don't have a good argument for it, but I want to hear his his choice his choice argument for it. Jared said he believes that Bob Dylan is in fact perhaps the most important musician of all time. Jared, Ooh. do you still do you still stand behind that statement? I will say perhaps. As I stated prior, because I do not have an argument that will that I mean, basically, like my argument in my mind is that if Da Vinci lert, like picked up a guitar, that's what Bob Dylan like it, importance. If Shakespeare were alive in 1967, I believe that 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 is who Bob Dylan is. You know mm-hmm. that that's my. Like, that's how important he is to music. I mean, he's... Or, like, uh, if Edgar Allan Poe wrote songs... You can keep giving examples. If Jesus Christ... (laughs) (laughs) No, that's sacrilegious. Bob wouldn't like that. No, Bob would not like that. Between 1979 and 1981, he would hate that. It's true. That's true. Uh, What are other people's thoughts in terms of Dylan being perhaps the most important musician of all time? I know that's a, a bold... Bold Are you talking about statement. a singularity? This is a singularity person, yeah. or as a, or as a person who who has put out music. Give me an example. You know like, does this have to? Be, could this be an artist, a collection, a band, or does this have to be an individual? Um, I'm speaking band as well. All of music artists, either singular or group. So you think that Bob Dylan is is above the Beatles? I do. He influenced the Beatles. Yeah, I'm just it's just I'm just questioning. You're 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 piecing all the puzzle pieces together. Right. He introduced the Beatles to pop. Yes, he did. David Crosby as well, the, apparently. He introduced the Beatles to pop. Nope. No no no, sir. Mary the Jane. The pop of the rock that we know of, the Elvis, is what introduced the Beatles to pop during their time pot. in Germany. He said pot. Mary oh, My goodness. <laughs> Donnie, what are your thoughts in terms of Dylan being the most important artist of all time? I don't, I don't, I hadn't thought about it, but I mean, he's like, you're saying Elvis, Elvis was very much the sum of his influences. He didn't, he didn't write, you know, his voice is unquestionable, early Elvis voice, his creation, his mixing of what he mixed, but you know, he, Bob Dylan took relatively simple folk tunes that were, you know, pages of the newspaper you know, hey, we need to protest this is bad. And everybody's like, yeah, it is. And then took that to personal expression in ways that hadn't been done and mixed it with music in ways that it hadn't been done. Uh, we were talking at dinner about my wife's rule. The driver gets to pick the music. And then she made it an additional rule, except for Bob. Like, so no Bob while I'm driving. I'm driving. No Bob. Okay. But if I've made a list of songs and played them by other people, I'm like, that's a good song. That's a good song, too. That's a good song, too. You know, it's Bob. It's Bob. Yeah. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Well, I mean, the the difficulty of that too is who is not the sum of their influences at that point in time. Where Elvis, I I wouldn't argue this as much as for Elvis as I would for Dylan. Is there's a certain point in time where your influences shape the music you make early on, and then eventually your influences shape the music that you make. And that's what happened with Dylan, where Dylan was, you know, the sum of the parts of his influences for his first couple of albums. And then you come to an album like Bring It All Back Home, where he is still the sum of influences. He's being influenced by rock music. He's being influenced by folk music. He's being influenced by blues. But he's putting those pieces together, and he's making something that's different. He's making something that's fresh. And so it is still born out of his influences, but it's it's him at that point in time. I don't know that Elvis ever reached that point. I think Elvis was always his influences. I think Elvis was always kind of ripping off black culture and black history in music. I think that he never fully was able to be his own artist, I guess. But I think that Dylan was able to change the course of music by taking his influences and turning them into something different. So I can see what you're saying and would say that you might say that the influences kind of take away from that argument, but you could also say that they build on that argument to a certain degree too. I mean, sure. not, I didn't prepare an argument, you know, very well. And I, I hadn't really planned on doing it anyways, which is fine. But I guess my thing would be who else you know, what is the answer? I understand the Beatles, but... The answer. I don't... Um, the Beatles did it for a short time and it influenced all of music. Bob Dylan's done it for the last 50 years or 60 years or however long it's been. Th 70 years, not 70 years because he's in his 70s, but, you know, 50 years, whatever. So I think the longevity... 57 to be total? 57 years? 62 to... 19? Yeah. 57 total years in the music industry. So, I mean, I would I would argue that his influence over the course over of Over 57 years is more important that, than the seven years that the Beatles put music, into music. That is my argument. I would say if I had to try to, to name a musical production individual whose influence and whose importance exceeds that of Dylan, it would be Johann Sebastian Bach. And I say that with seriousness. Oh, do you say that with seriousness? Yes. Why is that? Bach's music and the way that he wrote transformed an era of music into a different era that you would not have had. Bach's music straddles the two periods of Baroque and classical. And the understanding of going from Baroque, which is textualized in a more complex way, to a simp more simpler textualized classical era music is like the idea of popularizing music outside of a religious setting in terms of what he did. That's good. You should and have eventually gave way in the mid to late 1800s to set groundwork to enter the Romantic period, which kind of went back to some ideas of Baroque in terms of the way that the, the, the melodic aspects were textured throughout music. Over the course of time, I mean, I don't know. It's hard when you think about how can you translate that into modern-day pop music, right? I mean... I don't know. Well, I, don't, I think I don't that the argument at that point in time is is that what you're saying is that Bach is the one who sh who is the most influential to music, and what Jared is saying at that point is is that Bob Dylan was the person who is the most influential and important to Western popular music. 
I said, but well, yeah, but Bach was Should Western be. popular music at the time. That's well, what I'm getting at. It's like, how, how can I say that Dylan? How can you? How can you look at someone without looking at anyone who came before? How I, it's very yeah. difficult to judge a person by the, where they come in in the timeline of the world, right? If mm-hmm. if he was I so, I can't say because Dylan's been in for 57 years and he's been doing all these things and his influences and this or that. You know that that you know people wouldn't exist without Dylan. This is very true, and, and what he does goes throughout. But it's like it's like the same thing. People wouldn't exist without the Ramones. I don't mm-hmm. think that their influence is as great as Dylan's is. But there's a lot of people out there that would never even started music if it weren't for them, regardless mm-hmm. of whether they they still have aspects of Dylan or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. I think it's. I think that's a an argument that's just quite difficult to do, to to understand. And I and I really think that if if you want to think about who has most influenced music period i don't think that i think that you'd have to say i mean i think it almost would have to go back to african tribalism in many ways you know well i'm talking and, about and a singular can, what person what can you say about the fact that those people lived long before dylan i mean that's it's that's where it gets difficult that's where it gets mushy if if bach was so broke why didn't he just get a job oh my god oh there it is there it is that's there a good one all right Woo. Well, on that beautiful note, oh, we can talk about that thing. Oh, do you want to do it now? I mean, I don't know how much longer we have. That's a good point. It, we could all it, die in a fiery crash. You do two things, and then it will. Cons- These are your closing thoughts. So I suppose spoil them well. So I have two things we brought up. They're both YouTube videos, so we will link to them. Yes. We will only play a, a tidbit of each, I suppose. Yes. One of them is. Bob Dylan performing the song Joker Man on, on David Letterman. What year was that? Does it have a year? Uh, it looks like 84. 1984. I, I got to the part that you want to talk about, by the way. Okay. These punk people are just playing music. Bob disappears to go get a harmonica. The harmonica did not work. He goes to get another one. This is live television. Punks playing Joker Man. Live on television. finally found a working harmonica that lasted way too long i didn't realize it took him so long to find a harmonica it was very great performance he just i don't even know what is the story he just found some punk musicians and said hey you want to play joker man on tv with me how's that i think that there's all that's that's all there is to it that's it so then the the next video is a video by neil is that his name yep neil segura cc erga how do you say his name something how was it Lemon Demon. He's also known as Lemon Demon. This is a video called What's Dylan Grillin'? What I'm grillin'? Bet you guess what I'm grillin'? Bet guess what I'm grillin'? Basketball! That's good. Dylan Grillin'! 
That's good. That's good. All right. There is one thing about Joker Man, though. He he has, I think I was, a history of reinventing things that already existed. Yes. Whether it's, um, you know, changing, just changing the words, changing the structure of the song. He wasn't finished with things, even though they were done and we liked them. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you liked this, but... He's like the Kanye West of rock. There you go. Oh, I like... I like <laughs> I don't like that, but I like Of it. course you don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. I wanted to say I like it, but like, wait, I don't. I can't but lie. I can't lie. I can't like that. But, you know, we like that song. That's great. Oh, yeah, well, here's a different version. I don't like that so much. Well, it's mine. You know, it was his, and he wasn't done with them. If you go to a Bob... I've, I've, been, I've seen Bob Dylan twice. I saw him once in Kentucky... Uh, in an indoor venue where we were had seats, and then which was a very good show, and then the second time I saw him was in Indianapolis at an outdoor venue where we sat on the lawn, and that was very boring, um, because he, I mean, he's not really like, he doesn't groove anymore, you know, he's not, he's he doesn't even he like plays songs, he doesn't introduce anything, he just goes song to song to song, which is you know his own. He can do that. It doesn't matter. And then he eventually introduces the band, and then he plays more songs, and then the concert ends, and he bows, and then he's, it's over. So it's not like a, a super enjoyable, like fun experience. It's just like it's an experience to have of Bob Dylan playing. I pref- I would have liked to have seen him years ago, you know, but I didn't have that opportunity because I was not yet alive. He changes in his live shows. He changes his songs so much so that they're almost unrecognizable at, at times. Where you, the studio version and the live version of what he performs now is so different that it's like, what am I listening to? And so you have to sit and look up the set list from the night before to even know what song you're listening to sometimes. Just because it's so, I don't know, it's interesting. Process of elimination. Okay, it's not this song. It's not that song. What what song is he? And he gets to the chorus. Oh, maybe I recognize. Yes. Dax and Tyler, do you guys have any any closing thoughts from where we're at at this point in time? Yeah. No. Tyler? Yes. What are your closing thoughts? I don't know if I have any today either. Okay. Donnie, do you have any closing thoughts on Dylan? No, this was fun. It's hard to sum up what you say, Jared. Fifty-seven years, and we didn't do fifty-seven, but we did. No, we only did uh, like seven. What? Yeah, we we did sixty-two to seventy-five. So th- what, 13, 13 years of time. Yep, it's really hard to Very do difficult. to do justice to that much time, but we do our best. But to yeah. think of where he started from and and what what he sounds like at seventy-five, and if we just stopped there, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I would like to do another Bob Dylan episode at some point in the future uh, where we discuss the next set set of albums. We could even do 75 to, you know, 90-something and then go later. I mean, it could be a three-parter, honestly. He wants to do a three-part Bob Dylan, everybody. I mean, it's a possibility. I'm just saying we could do it, and it would be feasible and easy. Let's let's see what the the listeners think about this episode, and if yeah. they want to hear more about they want to hear more about what Dylan's grill. Next week we're doing Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> no, next week did everybody no. play a song? Everybody, did yeah, everybody song? did. I was going to ask what you guys wanted to do as the closing track. What's the most appropriate closing track to Bob Dylan? We already did "Blowing in the Wind." We started, we started with Blown, with in, the Blown in the Wind. Oh, okay. That's Thank the you. one. That's the song he sang. The like that he always finishes shows with that, right? 
Does that sound correct? Anybody, any Dylan file? Because I know he always finishes his concerts with one song. Yeah, but we've already played it. We skipped skipped our discussion of um, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, the album. But I think Knocking on Heaven's Door is the one, is one of the, along with... I was going to bring that one up, but I didn't know if we wanted to do that. Well, we skipped, yeah, because we skipped it. But that's with Rolling Stone and Times They Are Changing and Blown in the Wind. I think that's one of the other... Like, if you know Bob Dylan, you know that song. Mm-hmm. Although he hasn't played that song in, in a little while. Um, the song that he ends now with is it, it Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry. But I'm wondering if that's what his outro song is when he leaves the stage rather than in the last song he plays. Because the last song on this encore is Blown in the Wind. And I'm fairly certain that that's the song he always finishes with you know, over the last however many years. But he close on Desolation Row. That's a good song. I mean, yeah, it's not, I only if you do the whole thing. Song. Only if we do the whole thing? No, don't. It's, that's a good song. <laughs> 11, 11 minutes and 21 second closer. Does anybody have any opposition to closing with Desolation Row? No. No, no. I really like that song. It sounds like we, we've nailed her down, so. My Chemical Romance, everybody. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening to this edition of Record Roundtable. We've been talking about Bob Dylan. We had our guest Donnie here for this episode. We'd like to thank him for being here. Check out our Facebook page and our website and all that fun stuff. Next week we're doing the strokes. The beauty parlor is filled with sailors. The circus is in town.